The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Over the last few weeks, I've been reviewing some of the covenants that God entered into with people. Uh, Covenants or testaments means the same thing. A covenant or testament is an agreement with people. God says, I will do this, and in return, you have to do this. So we look at covenants both in the Old and New Testament, and I picked out four from the Old Testament. The first one, the covenant with Noah. Remember, God destroyed the world, all the people, because people were sinning. And God said, I will never do this again. And he gave us the rainbow as a sign of that covenant. And then we have the covenant with Abraham, an itinerant herdsman who was chosen by God to basically be the beginning of God's plan for all people to come to him. Because if you remember, Abraham was told, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the heavens. So all people, we're here today because of the faithfulness of Abraham. Then we have the covenant with Moses, where Moses was given the law, and the people were taken into the promised land. Again, God said, I will be your God, you will be my people, and this will be your land. And then we have the covenant with David, where God said, David, uh, your offspring will be the ruler of the world. And uh, not talking about Solomon, although that was part of it, but basically talking about Jesus, which brings us to the New Testament or the new covenant, the one with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the covenant. He is the testament. He's the fulfillment of all these other covenants. 
And again, what we see again and again and again, and even today, God is always faithful to his side of the bargain, but we human beings aren't. We are not faithful to God. We break the covenant. We do what we want to do. We believe what we want to believe. And we say, well, I know better. But again, Jesus came to say, you don't have to do that. Just follow me. But the covenant with Jesus is the final covenant. And so today's the last day of preparing for remembering the beginning of the fulfillment of that last covenant. That's what we call Christmas. Or if you want to go back a little bit further, when Mary conceived Jesus, it began. And then we will celebrate the fulfillment of the earthly part of the covenant at Easter. Because Jesus, in dying and rising from the dead and ascending to the, to the Father, brings to conclusion the fullness of the covenant. Now, we're waiting, of course, for the final act. Because God is patient, he's merciful. He gives us an opportunity to do what we're called to do as people of the covenant. And one thing that we see again and again in all the covenants is that God does not listen to us. Now that's good news. Can you imagine if we were on the privy council of God and God took our advice, what would happen we think this world is bad enough? Holy moly, I mean, come on. Well, that's good news. And yet, what do we do? We say to God, God, if you would do this, you should do that. You mustn't do that. And that's the story of all the covenants. People thinking, I know better, or I can do what I want. And God, because I believe it's true, you shouldn't touch me. Again, that's our story. It's in the Bible. We keep failing, but God does not do what we think he should do. We have that first reading from, da from uh, the Old Testament where David thinks, well, you know, I'm going to build a temple for the Lord, an appropriate dwelling place so that when he's on earth, he will have this beautiful uh, dwelling place so people will know that if they want to talk with God, they just come to the temple and talk with God. Now, what did he do before that, though? He built himself a palace. He got, he got his stuff first. And then he's thinking, I'll build it for the Lord. And of course, Nathan the prophet says, no, 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 you're not going to build it. Your son will build it. And Solomon did. So Solomon built his absolutely magnificent temple. And people would come to it to praise the Lord, honor the Lord, and converse with the Lord. Now, we know, of course, when the Babylonians took over Jerusalem, they destroyed that temple. So here was all this big talk about this beautiful temple and God, and it was destroyed by pagans. When they came back to the promised land, they rebuilt the temple, not as glorious as the one Solomon built. But then at the time of Jesus, Herod the Great renovated that temple and made it beautiful again. Wonderful, wonderful. And what happened to that temple? It was destroyed by the Romans. So here we are thinking, you know, here's this great dwelling place. God's going to protect it. But he didn't. And really, what's, what's part of the message we're supposed to take away from that is buildings don't mean anything to God. You know, we can have beautiful churches. You know, uh, Church of Notre Dame in Paris is being renovated because of that fire. If you've ever been there, magnificent. 
when you think it goes back 800 years, beautiful. St. Peter's in Rome, gorgeous. But they're buildings, you know, monuments to God, to honor God, yes. But again, what does God think of them? Well, he's probably okay with it. But the better dwelling place that he has is, of course, in us. We're the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so God doesn't act the way we think he should act. So what does he choose for his on-earth temple or his on-earth Ark of the Covenant? Because the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant was in the temple in Jerusalem. It was the holiest thing they had, had the Ten Commandments and some manna in it. So it was kind of the center of the worship of the people. But God doesn't choose that. So when Joseph and Mary go on their way to Bethlehem, they don't make a stop in Jerusalem. And Mary doesn't have the child in the temple. Which really, you know, humans would say, well, you've got to have it there because that's the dwelling place of the Most High. They don't go there. They go to Bethlehem. And where do they go? A stable. A stable. And they put the child in a manger. Stinky, dirty, stable. Now, you know, and what do we do in our homes? We have these beautiful creches, right? And we make sure the straw's clean. And there's no stink or stench from animals, right? So, you know, even we don't quite get it. If we really, really wanted to think of what God did for us, maybe we should just, as a church, get an old barn with animals in it, and make that our crash, the only crash we have. And keep going to and saying, my God, this is where God chose to be born. Not in some beautiful palace or temple, but the temple first and last, in one sense, was Mary. She was the temple at that point. She was the dwelling place. And who was she? She was a young woman, she conceived of Christ before she was married. No, no, no. And what did Joseph plan to do? Divorce her. This was inappropriate. Why did God do this? Right? What an embarrassment. But that's, that's our faith. God does not listen to us. He doesn't, doesn't go by our cultural standards. He doesn't care about our politics. He doesn't care what kind of homes we live in, what jobs we have. He wants us to be the dwelling place of the Lord. So Mary was certainly that dwelling place, and because of her, we can be that dwelling place. And what does Mary say? Well, it's about time, Lord. And I am going to be the queen of heaven someday. No! She's going, what? And what does she say she is? She says she's the handmaid of the Lord. Handmaid! What's a handmaid? A servant. A servant. The mother of God says, I'm nothing more than a servant. And what does Jesus tell us? You know, at the end of the day, just say I'm a worthless servant and that's it. So that's all counter to what we human beings throughout history want or think we should have or the way God should act. I mean, I tell God all the time what he should be doing. He hasn't listened to me yet. And so I'm supposed to be saying, okay, God, I'll follow in your path as crazy and stupid as it is. But that's the way of God. So when we start celebrating Christmas, you know, again, we go into it 
with all these ideas of how our home should be decorated and presents and food. And everybody gets uptight because we got to do it right. And yet Jesus was in a stable. A stable. So what do we do? What, what do we have to do in order to get the mindset of God? Well, we have to keep going back to the original script, the original story, which is in the Bible. And it is our story. And it's not about glory on earth, but rather being humble servants of the Lord and serving our brothers and sisters, because that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he says, I'm a slave for you. I am a slave for you. And therefore, if we want to truly honor God, not just during Advent or Christmas or any season, we have to remember our story. And it's not about having what we want or legitimizing what we do or you're coming up with human stinking thinking. It's rather recognizing God does things in very, very different ways. And the sooner we recognize that, and the sooner we try to live that, the more at least we will be firmly rooted in the love of God and better able then to love other people because we will not be grasping. We will not say, this is the boundary. Lord, these people you can bless, but those people you can't. Whatever it is, we want to tell God how to be God when we're not God. So how do we do that? We can't do it. But that is, again, the story of all the covenants in the Old Testament. God constantly coming back and trying to straighten things out and say, do this, do that, and you'll be okay. And human beings saying, uh-uh, nope, nope, we're going to do it our way. And here we are today, 2,000 years later, still saying the same thing, right? So... Here we are, we're going to celebrate, start celebrating Christmas, this great feast. So a couple takeaways. Number one, we're the temples of the Holy Spirit. We give birth to Jesus, as did Mary, not in the flesh, but in the reality of who God is, because we bear Christ in our bodies. When we receive the body of Christ, that is God. It becomes part of our body, therefore... We are bearers of the Christ child. We are Christophers, bearers of Christ. Think of that. If, that. if there's one takeaway, that should be the takeaway. That God loves us so much and trusts us so much that he says, okay, you will represent me. You will bring me to the world. You will be a light to the world. That's what we're called to do. Secondly, to, I'll put it bluntly, shut up. Right? You know, because uh, anybody who's got access to social media thinks they're a genius, right? And has a better, a better interpretation or idea than anybody else. And it's a good tool of the devil, I'll say that. It really is. So to, to kind of, as one person put it, fold the wings of our intellects in the presence of God. Stop thinking that we know it all. Just be quiet in the presence of the God and enjoy God and listen to God. And then thirdly, and this is why the church was created, and it began really with Abraham in the sense of he had to go traveling 
to experience the fullness of God's promise for him, we've got to go traveling. We've got to go into the world to be a light bearer, to bear Christ in our lives so that everyone else can at least have a taste of who this wonderful God is. And to make it clear that we're all in the same boat. We're all moving along. We're all saints and sinners at the same time, and we need to help one another. And as the scripture says, people come to faith by hearing the gospel preached to them. To be, and when we say hear the gospel preached to them, to say something about Jesus as the source of our lives and the one and the only one who can fulfill our desires and our hopes. Again, that comes out very much at Christmas, that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and we get to play a role in his story for mankind. We get to play a very, very important role, which is to take what we celebrate here in this building we call the church, and then go out into the world as the church and proclaim the good news of salvation. So, to think that God is God and we're not, to think that God knows what he's doing, even if it doesn't make sense, and we would do it otherwise, but also to appreciate what he did do because he gave us a dignity which is far superior to anything that Noah or Abraham or Moses or David could have thought of. We're all those things because of God. So we have this wonderful dignity as his family, as his children. So it's not just blood relatives. We have a huge family throughout the world. Everyone is our family. What a wonderful gift that is. But again, do we live that way? Or do we kind of put up barriers and definitions so we kind of keep people out from the goodness of God? So that's our call. Not just during Advent or Christmas, but every day of the year. That's why we go through the story of salvation every year. So that we'll remember who we really are and recognize who we're not. To remember what we do that brings people to Christ. To think about what we do that pushes people away from Christ. To seek forgiveness, but to keep on working at it as a family as a community of believers, so that more and more people can join in the celebration of God every single day. That's our call, to keep doing it, working at it. Yeah, it gets tiring, we get angry, we get upset, but God says, what do you think I had to put up with? I had to put up with all of you. But he did it out of love. He did it out of great love. He fell in love with all of us. That's why he created us. So if we can just think that way, I'm called to fall in love with everybody and to receive them as Christ. That's the Benedictine motto, receive all people as Christ. And if we can just do that ourselves, there will be big changes in us and in other people. So we have the power of God. The power of God is bigger and better than any, any kind of power we can possibly think of. So we need to use it, to use it to bring about more people uh, to know about Jesus so they too can know they were called to be part of this family, and we want to welcome them. So as we go forth today, in uh, just a couple hours, we're going to be coming back and uh, celebrating Christmas, one of those weird years. Remember that 
these feasts are not just about God, but they're also for us. We're celebrating ourselves and what God has done for us. So we should be joyful and let that joyful spread all over the place without discrimination, without putting barriers on it and say who's worthy or who's not worthy of love. We're called to love no matter what. And we do it because that's exactly what Jesus did. So here we go from Advent, anticipating this feast. We're going to start celebrating it tonight. So again, keep those things in mind that we are God's beloved. He came for us. We are his servants just as he served us. And that's a wonderful privilege because we get to be just like the Savior, not worried about what will happen to us, but rather looking forward to encountering our brothers and sisters and bringing them to Christ.